Was church where you first fell in love with music? Yeah. What were you listening to that just touched you? Uh, do you remember this song? God put a rainbow in the sky. Remember that song? <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm going to act like I don't just so I can hear you sing some more. No, Tamar. It's, I don't know that song. Could, could, could oh, you give me go. a little bit of it? Please, no, please. I can't. Okay. Just God put a rainbow in the sky. God put a rainbow in the sky. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. When I, I, it looks like the sun will not shine anymore. God put a rainbow in the sky. <laughs> That's the one for me, honey. Man, your voice, that was so good. Brothers and sisters, my name is Kirk Franklin, and I come to give you good words. Let's go. Today, this is family. Oh man, listen, she's incredible. She's a triple threat. I've worked with her as a singer. I've worked with her as an actress. I've worked with her uh, giving out coats and giving out clothes. <laughs> I mean, she's just a beautiful voice, a beautiful spirit, larger than life personality. Everybody knows her. I mean, she's the baby of the family. You can tell. I mean, you can tell she mass poor. You can tell she mass poor. And she love it too. She's dropped Grammy-nominated albums, Emmy-nominated television hosts. I mean, she's just a superstar. And in life and through her NAACP-nominated podcast, Under Construction, she has committed herself to sharing her journey throughout mental health, self-improvement, faith, and motherhood. You know, I really don't have enough paper to just really like, you know, to just to show y'all how big her life is. But you know what? Today I'm talking to the homie. Ladies and gentlemen, show some love for Tamar Braxton. Thank you. What an introduction. Wow. I don't think anybody can top that one. That was good. They better not. They better not. They better not. And you know what? As a matter of fact, since we friends and since you are impressed with what I'm saying, I need for you to come on and just give me the real, real. And don't play with me, Tamar. You know, Kurt, the truth is, I, I tell this story all the time. You know, my connection with God was not at church. It was during the pandemic, when wow. I was at home, when I was at my lowest, when I didn't have anybody else around. I didn't understand nothing about life. And the only person who could help me was God. That was yeah, it. At the end of the day, you know, I am nothing without God. And he, remind, he reminded me of that. What did he do? Nothing. What did he do to remind you? Well, he... He showed up. He showed up as God. Mm. I feel like I really honest to God, giving up on every single thing, including myself. And I promised myself a long time ago I wouldn't do that. And he just reminded me, like, look, I, I am God and you can't do without me. This this is my life anyway. <laughs> Since there were millions and yeah. millions of people that were feeling that these last two years, too. If you are comfortable, just give me just a a snapshot of what a successful celebrity that looks like she has it all to so many millions of people. What did that dark moment look for you that became the canvas for God's greatest light? Um, foggy. I didn't even really recognize myself. I didn't really know myself. I've gotten, you know, so far away from 
who who I was and who I was comfortable being. Sometimes we get so caught up in our jobs and um, the public and their perception that you kind of lose yourself. And I totally lost myself, totally lost myself. I had forgotten completely who I was. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was just something that I, I couldn't, I couldn't do anymore. Yeah, I couldn't play that game anymore. It was a part that I was playing, mm. you know, mm. and it was very heavy. <laughs> and I just couldn't sustain that role anymore. I wasn't willing to. My spirit didn't want me to. First of all, let me say, this is what I needed to be able to know how to go right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You're so busy and you're so big and popular. I can't I'm even not. get you behind on the phone. <laughs> oh. even tap. This is what I need. So in front of everybody, this is what I needed to know. Like, thank you for this. This is the, this is the ingredients to the cake, right? Yeah. This is your story. But but for people that don't come from our world, right? And, and, and for people that don't know our language, just help them if you can, sis. What does God showing up look like for you? Me being here. <laughs> Let's start there. Mm. Mm. Let's come on, start come on. there. Give me some me, more elaborate um, on that. That feels good. No, that really. Um, me being present. You know, me, me being able to tell the story. Me understanding where I was and not being ashamed. Today, that's God showing up. Me being able to accept myself for who I am and all my mm. flaws and mm. take it or leave it, you know? Mm. It really is that. It really is that. And me doing the work. Mm -hmm. Say that again. <laughs> me Say working again. on myself. Me doing the work. Me working yes. on myself. Yes. Me wanting to get better, being better, making different choices, being a mm. better person, making different decisions because they feel better, you know? Um, the decisions that I was making before got me nowhere, you know. Why is that the hardest job, Tamar? Why why is the most difficult job us? Because we don't want to change. <laughs> we think we know it all, you know. We love being Tamar or Kurt or, you know, who people think we are. <laughs> you know, that role, that role that we give ourselves. Because, you know, really, honestly, truly, no one gives us those parts to play. We, mm. we actually assign ourselves. <laughs> those mm. positions, mm. <laughs> you know? That is so good. Yeah. Is, I know this answer for me, but I'm asking for you. Do you think it is because sometimes our real selves are really the hardest to live with? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know what it was or what it meant to show up for myself. To okay, stand break up that for down. myself. Can okay, so that? Just, yeah, everyone yeah. has seen, I'm sure everyone has seen me on Braxton Family Values, the loud, the boisterous um, baby sister who always gave her unsolicited advice and, and everybody's business. And this, as soon as you talk about take my honey, I'm on the defense. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the defense because I didn't want people to find out that I was truly hiding what I were was, you hiding? I was I was hiding all the pain, all the suffering that I have endured, you know, throughout the years of of being um, domestically abused, and I didn't want people to know. 
You know, I wanted everybody to think I was hard and, you know, I'm not this softy and you're not going to break me down and blah, 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 all this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a shield. It was a shield that yeah. protected me from nothing. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it even protects us from us and, and yeah. it protects us from the us that needs to get healed. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And see, that's why people love you though, man, but because you were <laughs> so real. Where does this thing come from for you where it's no pretense? It's, you know, as the youngins say, it's no cap. Where does that come from for you to be that comfortable being that real? You talking about now? <laughs> well, or you just know, overall? Always, yeah, yeah. That's always been there. Um, To a certain extent, I mm. think. You know, <laughs> to a certain extent. I would, I would tell everybody else truth so nobody will ask me about mine. <laughs> and mm. I'd be so loud about it, you know, um, because like I said before, I was pretending to be happy. I was pretending to be, you know, oh, I'm just going to tell it like it is, you know, just to throw everybody off from all the healing that I needed to do. You know, the truth is a trick of the enemy made me feel like I was healed and wasn't nothing wrong with me. <laughs> It was something wrong with everybody else. <laughs> so, 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 why do you think it is important for us to be vulnerable like the way that you are? Like you are leading this charge of vulnerability for so many people even now. And and once again, it is another layer that people are going to fall more in love with too. Why do you feel that it is important for people that have a platform to be able to show this certain level of vulnerability, even when it doesn't make us look pretty? Well, you know, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's almost like the wave of like social media has destroyed the real, real life is all cap. And everybody feel like, you know, um, you have to look a certain way. You have to be a certain way. Let me tell you something. I'm telling you a real story. Real story. I've been on social media so long and watching everybody on social media. Do you know that I thought I wanted BBL? <laughs> For those that are a little bit older and some of the senior <laughs> saints, can you break down what a BBL is? I'm 45. What do I need a BBL for? But can <laughs> Where you tell, I'm going? Let the people know what a BBL for a those A BBL is a booty shots. Where am I going? <laughs> Tamar, tell people what, are, what do booty shots the, do? The booty shots is what gives the females like... The silhouette, basically, of an ant. You uh, ever see? <laughs> they do look like ants, though. They look like ants, okay? Like ants, you have this big old booty, and you got these little skinny little legs. It's giving very much ant life. It's a so, bug's life. <laughs> so then why do you not want to look like an ant anymore? Because that's not who I am. That's me putting on another facade. That's me putting on another face, and I got to keep up. It's too expensive. And I can afford a BBL, praise God, but it's too expensive spiritually and mentally for me to live that way. That's not who I am. Who am I pretending for? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. To do what? Oh, I know what I'm pretending to do. I'm going to put on this facade so I can bring more fake people into my life so I can feel a certain way about me that's not real. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was a gem. Can you try to say that one more time? It was so rich. I don't even know what I said. Oh, when I said, oh, I'm going to pretend so I can attract more fake people into my life. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 
That does nothing but tear you down. Are you kidding me? Because you got to keep it up and keep it up and keep it up. It's like, I, I, when does it stop? Amen. When do you when do you accept yourself for who you are? I don't have a booty. I, I am in the little booty club, you know, and it is what it is. And I have to accept that. And guess what? I have to love that about myself because that's who I am. Well, well, first of all, I want to say on behalf of all the men, and even though I'm married and I love my wife Tammy, and Tammy, yes, got a I love booty. Tammy too. Tammy got a beautiful booty. Booty. I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you, I, I thank the Lord that you did not get that thing because it ain't sexy to men. It when, ain't. When men see that, they're scared to touch it, or what they scared when when your girl sit down because we think it's gonna pop. It looked like it's going to pop. It could pop. <laughs> you know, but I wanted to be like everybody else on social media with a man, with gifts, okay? Mm. You know, like, I, I wanted to be like every, oh, maybe I'm missing out because mm. I, this is not what I look like and that's not who I am. No, but I would be missing out on something so much more precious and that is the true, true Ooh. Tamar. I like her so much. I, matter of fact, I love her. How long you know, have you loved her? Oh, a good eight, nine months. Wow. So she's still fresh in the family. She's fresh. Yes. When you first met this new friend of yours, this new spirit of yours, this yeah. new Tamar friend, when did you know that she was the one? Like, what was it about her over the last eight months that she's been able to hang out more? Um, she's happy in any situation. She's not going to pop off. You know, she's not going to let nobody bring her to that space because she loves herself too much <laughs> to go there. You know, she's only going to let her voice get to a certain range and active, you know, unless I'm, you know, hanging out and, you know, laughing with my friends. It's it's none of that. You know, she's going to take care of herself. Mm. She's going to love herself. She's going to watch the people that are around her. She's going to make sure she's not in toxic environments. Mm. She doesn't want to be associated with anybody toxic or anything toxic or anything negative. Um, yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> Does <laughs> she ever want to date again? Um, she wants to get married again, you know? She want to get married again? Yeah, I feel like I am a wife, not a girlfriend. I don't even know how to be a girlfriend. I am, I'm failing miserably. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What, 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 what does that mean? Um, I'm not dating anyone. Because I don't think I know how to date. You know, Vince and I met when I was 26. That's pretty young, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I had- You had boyfriends before that? I had boyfriends, but no count boyfriends. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you were a star though. Like like even at, when you were young, you were a star and you didn't have any I like, was a ghetto superstar. See, what happened was what is that? What is that? <laughs> I was the younger sister of Tony then. You know, like industry people knew who I was because you know, I had been singing background and I had, you know, records and things like that and was writing for people. But like and not until Braxton Family Values did people really pay attention to who I, I was. You know, people didn't know. So when you say that you don't know how to date and no. that you don't really, you don't feel like that you got some dating skills, mm -hmm. like, like, do you mean that you feel awkward? You know, like, do you feel like you don't know what to say or like you don't know how to sit, you know? Or yeah, like, I'm you know, awfully like shy. Into... Nobody believes it. I'm yeah. awfully shy, shy and very uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> really? Really. So like, give me what shy looks like. Um, I don't talk much. Nobody's going to believe me. 
<laughs> I don't talk much at all. Um, I know how to have a conversation, but I just, I don't know. I just, when is the wedding? That's all I want to know. <laughs> how long are we doing this? I like you. You like me. That's what we're doing. <laughs> that is so good. That is yeah, so I good. Yeah, I think I think majority of women feel feel that way, you know, it's, especially like when you're in your 40s and you're single. It's like, why am I single? Like, and then you got to pretend like you want to be single. That's what it is for me. What does oh, that I'm mean? Sing- what does that mean? Oh, I'm single and happy. No, you're not. <laughs> you're single with Jesus. No, you're not, Linda. <laughs> so, 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 I just want you to know, because I'm a man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process some of what you're saying. I'm looking at you, and you're successful. You're beautiful. You're yada 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 yada. And I'm trying to think what would be so difficult about you, like, like I see men standing outside waiting, you know, to take you to Popeye's chicken, and you know, you know, you know, to take your roller skating. And really, I'm where? Just, What's what door? Where the door at? <laughs> What's the <laughs> okay, I'm telling you that, like, this is amazing to me. And I think that because you are so vulnerable and because you're so real, is I think that maybe that can be intimidating for a man. Okay, I can accept that. Yeah. And I think that um, when I meet gentlemen, they expect a person that doesn't exist anymore. Does that make sense? I like that. Yeah. It, like it's, that. A, it's a brand new Tamar. And that other one is not showing up ever again. <laughs> She's gone. So the Tamar that we saw on the reality show, the reality show that you created. Yeah. Congratulations. And because I know that you have had some bitter tastes now that it's over, but just give just give us a little snapshot of just about your experience, the idea of the reality show, creating it. You, you talked about how sometimes it was one-sided. How do you think seeing that image of yourself be widely shared even impacted the old Tamar and even this new Tamar? Yeah, it's almost like getting typecast as an actress, right? You play uh, a villain for so long, um, and the next, you know, role you want is someone serious, like a lawyer or, you know, someone that's respected. It's kind of hard to see them that way, mm. if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, that's kind yeah. of what villains of reality stars are, except for people really do believe that's who you truly are. You know, I was um, looking at an article <clears throat> and Kenya Moore was saying she's on Atlanta Housewives and she was saying she doesn't want to be a villain anymore. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so interesting because, you know, I remember Nene and myself being like the first two people to come out to to say like, hello, we are women of certain age. This is not who we are. This this is on a television show. And maybe that's who we were in the beginning. But, you know, people grow up. You know, people have different experiences that, you know, makes them want to change their lives, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I just feel like in the reality world, that's something that is really, really hard to get away from, you know. Even but in I my gotta... television now, I think people expect <laughs> this rah, rah, wah, wah, Tamar to come. <laughs> and she's just not. Well, I can't wait for them to see the actress Tamar on Kingdom Business. It's going to be fire. But now I still got to give you your flowers, though. I got to give you flowers because you created the show and I want to know why did you create the Braxtons and how did it even come about? That was a big moment in culture. 
Yeah. And and you can't downplay that. That was that was a big moment for you, your family. We got to know you. So like, how did that even come to to this place of reality? Um, I remember being at the dinner table at Thanksgiving and watching my siblings have separate conversations. And I just remember feeling like, oh, my goodness, this is something that the world needs to see. I remember yeah. growing up on like the Cosby show, a different world where we had like, you know, people that looked like us that gave us lifelong, lifelong lessons, right? Mm-hmm. Through entertainment. And I have never seen a show with all females in different walks of life. That's true. Um, that is true. And true. they each had a story to tell. You can identify with one of them or some of them or all of us. And I just knew it was necessary for our community and just women as a whole to um, show our lives and, you know, what we go through every day and where we wanted to go with our lives. So how do you feel like your life would be different, though, if it hadn't (laughs) been for that show? I don't know if it would have been different that different. Um, I definitely feel like I would have been singing and acting and, you know, doing the things that I'm doing now. I think it would have been on a different level. I think, (laughs) Hmm. I think it would have been on a different level. And when you say a different level, you mean good or bad? Well, um, I guess somewhere in the middle. I think that, you know, when you are a creator or producer, or a singer and you are a celebrity, it's different when you're just behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. People have a different kind of respect mm-hmm. for you. You know what I mean? Um, I think that it would have definitely been more behind the scenes and less, you know, so much upfront because I do enjoy, you know, creating just mm. as much as I like being an entertainer. Do you think it did what it, what you wanted it to do for women? Yes, I believe that the Braxton's has been completely impactful to our community. There hasn't been a show like it since. I'm awfully proud of my sisters for being so transparent and vulnerable like myself and my mom, too. And, you know, it was it was important and it still is important. So there there's still a lot of lessons, (laughs) especially now, you know, We've never been in a situation where we we've had um, death so close to us. Mm. This mm. is our first experience, mm. and I'm sorry. it. Thank I'm so you, sorry. and it's it's been it's been very peculiar, <laughs> you know. Especially as sisters, um, yeah, we kind of really don't know how to pick up the pieces. We're still trying to figure that out every day. With that, we're going to take a quick break. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The anime awards this year were amazing, and I'm still not over all of the amazing live musical performances. Honestly, same. The anime awards may be over, but our discussion is not. If, like us, you're still not over the anime awards show and the results, join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
listening each week to our breakdown of everything that happened at the 2024 Anime Awards and hear news on the other anime and pop culture that you care about. If you don't want to miss all the post-anime awards discussion, then tune in to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters, and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold? and breathe. You get into ice water, and instead of like freaking out, you relax. It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it. I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body. But there's also a dark side. How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method? We can override even death. Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now. And let's get back into it. How comfortable are you sharing your own personal experience with that. What do you want to ask? <laughs> when Tracy first told you guys about this, this life-changing announcement that she had to tell you, what did that do to you at that moment in your faith? What was that experience hearing Tracy's words about her diagnosis and you being a sister and trying to process all of this reality. I want to be as respectful to her as I possibly can because she wanted to be as private. Yes. As yes. Right? So yes. we were very faithful and hopeful because she was. She really, truly did rally her family around her to believe in God on a different level. Mm. Like, we truly, honestly, believed for a miracle. And the truth is, he gave it to us. And that's what the gotcha gotcha is. Yeah. Because though yeah. she's gone, you know, yeah. they, so many times, you know, they would say, oh, th this is it. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is, Dr. Holly would tell you, like, I would call her and I, I'd be like, well, you know, I got to go to D.C. because mm -hmm. they're calling the family. I think they called the family at least 22 times. Wow. Yeah. The truth is, when I was going through my own mental crisis, I went through an extensive amount of therapy. And a part of that therapy was grief counseling. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because, you know, like as kids, we hear um, things like, God will set you up for things. You never know why you're going through things, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in a sense that I went through that horrible time to help me to get through this. Because had I not gone through that, I don't know if I would have been in control of my emotions the way that I am now mm -hmm. to mentally sustain this kind of hurt. Does that make sense? 
Wow. Well, first yeah. of all, I, 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 I am so honored that you would even be kind of to give us a snapshot. And I definitely want to respect Tracy and I want to respect you. Know that when God has a different way of answering prayers, it can yeah. leave some people daunting. Sometimes it can make people either better or bitter, right? Did you ever have a bitter moment with God during this? No, because my relationship with him had changed by then. Does that make sense? I understood him. <laughs> and although I didn't agree with it, mm. I had to accept it. I love that real. See, see, once again, once again, just that honesty, just that honesty that you have. How, it, it, Tamar, help, help folk that come from where we come from, or even just even people that may not believe, people that may be atheist, agnostic. How do people learn how to live without a mask? How, how, how do people learn how to live in a blatant state of truth that if they're mad at life, mad at God, mad at things, and they don't have to put the fake thing on, how how can you and I help people in this moment to learn how to tab that freaking mask up? Well, first you gotta surrender. <laughs> That's the first thing. You have to surrender to what is, you know? You have to surrender to the things that you cannot change. And you have to know that you are not in, in control and that is the problem. We always feel like we mm -hmm. can control our lives. We can control mm -hmm. who loves us. We control, you know, who's around us. We control our children. We can control our jobs. We can control our... No, you can't. You have no control. You have to surrender to that fact. I'm not in see, control. It's God's see, way. Same. <laughs> period. Point blank, period. Since you have been able to master that and even now talking about what you've gone through, you know, it's a lot of people want your seat. It's a lot of people want what you have. It's a lot of people that want to experience all the greatness that you have. And, you know, there are a lot of people that think that the quick way is reality show. People think that the quick fame and the success and this and that and that. What would be your advice, Tamar, to people? or to someone who thinks that a reality show is an answer or they trying to get that, what advice can you give somebody that's trying to go through the reality show process like you went through? Well, I don't, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite and tell people, oh, don't sign up for a reality show. But I do want to say this. When we first started 10 years ago, the reality business was not what it is now. What does that mean? It wasn't... It wasn't us throwing glass, people throwing glasses in each other's faces. It wasn't the stereotype of angry black women. It wasn't, you know, um, the unresolved matters of friendships and families. Um, it was a little bit more uplifting and hopeful and um, loving you and know right fantasy. That. Yeah, you for sure. Right about that. You are for right sure. about that. How do you feel about those shows? The, well, as a producer, I feel like it's lazy. Sorry, I said it. It's lazy. It's lazy television. Because the lie is, is that this is what we want to watch. It's not true. It's not true. That's what we are told. <laughs> wow. That's not a fact. You know? Did you have producers back then ever, did they ever try to get y'all to go in that direction a little bit? We did. At the end, <laughs> at the end it was straight foolery. <laughs> Foolishness. And, and that's that, why it had to end. And is that those behind the camera that really try to push for that? I think the, not the camera, those behind the desks. Right, right. That don't right. even really watch reality TV <laughs> or no black people <laughs> for real. You know, or family. How about that? 
Yeah. You know, like we get to a certain point where, you know, you act a fool, a, a plum fool with your friends, but you still have some respect for your family. We still act a fool with our family, but that's mm -hmm. a fine line. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I always felt that that wasn't taken into consideration. Like I always felt that in the end, we were looked at a cast. We was we was looked at as a cast instead of family. And that was my biggest problem. Yeah. Do you true. think there's a healthy way? <laughs> for folk nowadays to do reality TV? Yeah, I definitely do. You know, number one, um, let's let's talk about the truth. Let's talk about things that are really happening in our community. Let's talk about, you know, how we are definitely not looked at or being paid as our counterparts. We're not. Mm. We're not. So We're not. So when you hear about the Kardashians getting certain amounts of money for their shows and I'm sorry, I can't hear I'm chewing ice. Because I know I got my F and A up and went to work. And that's how does that make you feel? Just the gravity of of the earning uh, uh, of, of, of one show based on the other show? Like, how does that make you feel to be able to know that that's a reality? Definitely unseen, disrespected. Um, it goes back to those feelings, you know, that you feel that makes you act out. You know what I mean? It's like, you want to be seen so you get loud. You want to you want to feel important. So you act up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to have attention. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And those things are all unhealthy, but it's a cycle. You know, if you wasn't being treated a certain way, you wouldn't act a certain way. Ooh, that's good. I just ministered to myself. Come on, come on, come on, <laughs> come on, come on. It's that, true. That's me. It's true. Even in your relationships, you know what I mean? If you wasn't being treated a certain way, you wouldn't act a certain way. If you was being treated great, you would act better. If you was respected, you would have respect for your spouse or your, you know, your whoever you with, your partner. You know? It's, it's, I'm trying to think of a homeboy that I got that I can introduce you to. This is some <laughs> foolishness. I'm saying I got to think of somebody that's dope that I can make. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to come back from that. Last question about all of this. I want to know, okay. and you got to tell me right now, is there a reality show that you love and enjoy watching guilt-free? Like, 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 like what's your joint? Oh, I got a lot. Um, <laughs> I got a lot. Give it to us. Stop playing. Anything with flipping homes. Cause I'm into it. I love it. It's I like my hobby. Those. I love those shows. Anything cooking, cause I can cook. And I fall uh, asleep on them shows. <laughs> you do? Don't you love it? Ugh, it's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, the little grocery store that guy Fiore has is amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I still watch the Housewife franchises. I like the dating shows. Actually, I think those are really entertaining and fun to watch. What do you like about the dating shows? Um, Cause you can kiss everybody and nobody judge you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you want to do? You want to kiss everybody? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> See, the, 
You're so funny. You're True. funny. I love your voice. I love your humor. I love your beats. I love <laughs> your timing. You know, and 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 so like you, you just have all of this drip about you. What are some of the ways that you've worked to create your own narrative after being misrepresented sometimes? Like like how did you do that? I make different choices, you know, and I also make it a point that your experience with me, you walk away with a different perspective, you know? And I feel like we have that choice as people, you know? You can either make a choice to have someone walk away with the with the perspective of you being a total jerk, mm-hmm. a butthole, mm-hmm. or you can, you know, let your experience with people be pleasant and kind and fun and happy, you know, and grateful. And that's just what I choose to do because that's what really truly makes me happy, that side. That's fun. Now, do you love it, though, when you get a chance to also be able to help people, like even conversations like mental health, right? Like like your courage and what you've talked about, even the things you've gone through, I've gone through them myself, you know. I, oh, really? I, I, I never knew that. You didn't know that? Oh, sis. No. I, sis, I have. You know, it's, it's, this is what I believe. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me share this with you. I believe that every creative, every creative has high highs and low lows that they have to deal with that. And it's not an elitist statement, but it's something that we deal with more than what people would ever realize and understand. That's why I think that for creatives, certain vices are always common to us. You know what I mean? Whether it's drugs, whether it's drinking, whether it's sex, whether it's, you know, struggles with suicide. And one of my mentors told me this years ago, and sis, you're going to love this one, sis. You're going to love this one. He said that creatives most of the time are living in a place. Watch me, watch me. They live in a place that's not yet created. So they have to spend their time. Like when you see something like 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 the Apple computer, somebody had to create that. And so to, to create that, you have to go to a place not created. That's why a lot of creators don't do well with reality. We are more yeah. comfortable in that place that's not yet created. Yeah. And that's why most of us don't know how to do normal. We don't know what normal is. And again, it's not an elitist statement. And yeah. so when we come back to normal, depression and anxiety like like think about it. every time you finish a big project don't you often crash yes 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 it takes so much right <laughs> how did you how did you come to the courage of accepting that this is a beautiful cross that you have to carry in your life this 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 the space of depression and anxiety. I don't allow it to be bigger than me. I I put it in its place where it's just a part of me. You know, it doesn't control my life. It doesn't control my day. Now, there are times when, you know, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get out of bed or to put a face on or to comb my hair because I just simply don't have it in me because I don't have any strength left. Cause I used it somewhere else. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't allow it to take over my life. I allow myself to feel and be in a moment, and then I get up out of there. Can you walk me, if you don't mind it, only for the sake of helping 
is because yeah. this is a big space that people are embarrassed and they feel the shame. Yeah. And I want to talk about it. That's why I wanted you to know that your brother deals with it. Well, that's amazing. I, I never do. knew that. I do. I think I the do. problem is, is that, you know, we, the people who are definitely more comfortable talking about it have to normalize it, you know, mm-hmm. make it a normal Amen. thing Amen. because, you know, we have been shaming each other so long and te- having jokes and teasing each mm-hmm. other so mm-hmm. bad about mental health or making us feel bad about something that is normal. Yes. And then yes. it's normal because it's one in three people. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's yes. about right. It's what, four of us on this line? Yep, two yeah. of us. Yep, it is what it is. <laughs> Do you mind walking me uh, just just a little bit, just through some of your mental health journey? Was there an experience? Was there someone that told you what it was? Like, how did you get to the place of now as a powerful woman, owning the power of it, that you were able to understand the language? Okay, this is what it is. Um, I think it was too much of the fog. The fog had gotten so thick. And I think people um, with mental situations, I'm going to say that, mm-hmm. know what that fog feels like. Like mm-hmm. you can't find your way out. Mm-hmm. It's that one time where you can't like figure it out. Because the other times you, you're able to, sometimes by the hair, your chinny chin chin mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. is able to get out of it and figure it out. It's that one time that you can't. That you have in that moment, you have to make the decision to get help. Mm. What's getting help hard for you? No, no, really? Because no, no, no. Okay, so now you no. got to help me and others with that. Why, why, why was that not hard for you? It wasn't hard for me because I knew that it, it was no other way. Listen, I couldn't fake it anymore. It was either get help or give up. And I have an eight-year-old son that, you know, Mm. throughout all of these things, had I not gotten help, he would have been without a mom. Because in my mind at that time, I was so ill. I felt like it was better for him to be without me. And that's that's a lie from the devil. It's a lie. You you mean that you got to that point? Oh, yeah. I'm not good enough for him. I'm not good enough for anybody. I, I, I don't like anything about myself. I don't like my life. I don't like my job. I didn't like my home. I didn't I didn't like anything. I was estranged from my family. My relationship was in shambles. I, I, everything, everything started to fall apart because I was trying to pretend every day that I had Tamar put together and I didn't. I didn't. She was a mess. Okay. 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 So then why didn't you give up? I didn't give up. Oh, I ain't going to start. Oof, I can tear the sheetrock off this place. I, I didn't give up because God woke me up. And he was like, get up. And I remember being in the hospital and it was just as clear as it was while I was in the fog that this was the right decision that I was making. The, the right and the only decision was to surrender because yes. I couldn't do it anymore. Who, who, who was the person closest to you that was able to also walk through that with you? Now you tap dancing on the pond because my fans ain't going to like this, but because the truth is... <laughs> 
Come on, really. Help because us. The, Help the us, truth though. is, believe it or not, it was my ex, David. He really, really was there for me in the beginning. He really, truly was. Like, he was being the, the partner that he was supposed to be at the time. I have no idea who David is. You got to break David down. Is I know you as Tamar. I don't know. You don't have to Google that because I ain't going to give nobody no 10 minutes now. I can't do that today. (laughs) Okay. 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 But it was my ex fiance in the last relationship (laughs) that I had. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, But um, for me, because, you know, I, I was so broken. Everything around me was broken. You know, I, I, I felt like I couldn't call my mom. I felt like I couldn't call my sisters. They wouldn't understand. I felt like my family would, would be the first people that would judge me. Um, I was really? embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you playing. There, there, no, I'm there's serious. no way. As tight as, what? Yeah. You know, family is is the first, family is the first introduction to the shaming. Well, oh, that's my crazy that aunt. <laughs> that's your crazy aunt. You know your oh, crazy uncle. Okay, got you. Know, you. Got you. Got oh, you. Oh, give her her purse. She need her nerve pill. Got you. Got you. Got you. What? What? Uh, okay. Okay. So now. Did I get you that, real for you? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Okay. First of all, first of all, David, God bless you, brother. Yeah. Thank you for, for being real. there. David, thank you. Okay, so now, but let's unpack this thing about some sometimes in our community, and I don't want to stereotype all of our people, right? But sometimes in our community, you are right about that. We do downplay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, so when it comes to this downplaying and this this type of imaging, you know, even suicide, you know, what I'm saying, people think black people don't even deal with it. When we heard of the young girl. Like even look how we responded even when the young lady she jumped up on the she building this year. She was gorgeous. She and was from gorgeous. The exterior, you know, she was perfect. Tamar, did you notice by this happened? I think on a Sunday, it 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 happened during the weekend. Tamar, did you notice by Wednesday? When nobody even talking about it no more. Like that broke my heart. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, why are we not? It's because it's almost like we don't want nobody to think that we can get that low. So, so, so where do you think this comes from? This, 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 this downplaying, this, this denial that we have of mental illness. Like, it's almost like black people can understand a a sprain in the ankle. We understand a sprain in the arm, but we don't understand a sprain in the brain. And that's, and that's the problem. I think that's the problem. I don't think that majority, you know, especially our community, doesn't understand that it's just like having diabetes, having yeah. high blood pressure, breaking your leg, breaking yeah. your arm. You yeah. go to the doctor to go get those things fixed. Well, that's how I look at therapy, you know? Since we know that some churches have been so silent throughout the years about mental illness and we don't really address it, we don't even include it because we think you can pray everything away. We think we can shout everything away. We can speak mm. in tongue everything away. What can we do better to make sure that we are ministering to people's souls, bodies, and their minds? Yeah, you know, this is what it looks like. This is what mental health looks like. Somebody who has it all figured out and together and doesn't have a care in the world. Um, What people call rich people problems. Mm. No, I have real people problems. 
because I have mental health and that's a real person. And I have all the flaws in the world, but I still know where my help comes from. I Let me say something. I'm just going to be very, very, very transparent. I am an enjoyable sipping custom Christian. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I am. It's true. I like to twerk. I like to grab my knees and get my life. And I like to <laughs> listen to hood rap music. And no, I do. And I like to wear poom poom shorts in the summertime. I and don't know what those are, but keep going. Poom poom shorts and short shorts. <laughs> okay. I like right. to celebrate my body on Instagram. I like to, you know, <laughs> do what everybody else does. But that does not, why do I have to choose those things in Christ? I have to separate those two. Who said that? Who said that I am not a Christian? Who said that I don't truly and honestly believe where God has bought me from and I respect it and, and I and I want to tell everybody about where I've come from and where God has brought me from and the goodness of the Lord because I like those things. And why why I, can't I have both? And I'm excited to hear this music. I'm excited yes. to hear this music <laughs> so that you can be able to be as honest and transparent and vulnerable is 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 I think yeah, and then I got to look up these shorts because if they're good shorts, I'm gonna get Tammy some. But keep moving on. <laughs> Tammy um, got poom poom shorts. <laughs> listen. Yeah, but listen. why is that? Why do we judge so much in the church? Like you know, we're preachers' kids. I know my parents. I grew mm-hmm. up that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah why yeah, why yeah. do I have to choose? Is that me living in the world? Is that me not knowing who God is and what He's done for me and where He now, brought me from? Now, now the interview's getting. It's 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 gonna get in some some uh, deep grass. It's, so, ladies and gentlemen, she's asking me a question. Let me let me try to be very very concise in my response because this is about you. I can tell you is that I believe. It's I do believe that most people that have created a narrative of the church being judgmental is because most people have not been introduced to the right Jesus at the right time. Meaning most people have come to Jesus because they didn't want to go to hell or come to Jesus because you're doing wrong or come to Jesus. So, th- so that's a horrible way to have a, that's a horrible way to start a good relationship. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Based you know, on a lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost like, um, let's, let's get married because you're pregnant. You see, see some, some, oh, oh, that's good. Right, right, right. (laughs) So, 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 so when people start that relationship, that's a negative beginning that only is going to uh, give birth to more negativity. And because people can't live up to those standards, what they do is they point out what you do wrong to give them a break from feeling bad about themselves. And so that's where that comes from. While, while at the same time, and I think that you and I would, would both agree that your beautiful son, what's his name again? Logan. Logan, love that name. Love that name. If Logan at eight was still acting the way he did at two, we would be concerned. For sure. Right? We, and that's not judging Logan. We right. should be concerned that, okay, Logan should be growing. Evolving, And I believe yes. that there is a truth that when we are, are walking with God, yeah, there should be some things that are growing. Here's the problem. I do not have the right to tell you at what speed you should be growing. I do not have the right to judge the speed that you should be growing. That's the problem. And growth should not look the way I think growth should look like. 
Grow should look the way that you and your daddy, your spiritual father, are having y'all's relationship, right? Yeah. And growth should look like that should be. For example, when I first got married, I was 26 years old. And you know what I had a problem when I first got married, Tamar? Looking at women's booties. (laughs) <laughs> I looked at women's booty. I, I, listen, listen, I'm a fan of a woman. I look, that's I'm what you're supposed to do at 26. Save the night. And that's save the, the problem. What does that save the night? Saved or not. Oh, okay. I thought that saved or not. <laughs> no, well, saved or that, not. True, and that true, is the true, problem. True, true. And this is why we have mental health issues. And this is this is why. Because we feel like we have to hide one part of our lives to have this facade to people to accept us. And I do agree with what you're saying is I think that what I'm saying is that at 52, if I was still looking at booties at 52 well, around my wife the way I did at 26, there should be, there should be some growth. Yeah. And, and how I respond to women. Like, I shouldn't respond to women the way I did at 26. And I For think sure. that that's what I'm trying to say is I think that the context of what you're saying is what I'm trying to focus on more. People have made themselves God's oracles. That see, you know, and that's the challenge. It's is that I'm telling you at what speed and what pace you should be maturing and growing. It's because you know that that becomes problematic. It's because I'm not Him. It's I'm yeah. not your spiritual father. Ooh, now, yeah. does that help a little bit? It 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 does sort of. Okay. okay. <laughs> give me a little bit more. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me a little more. What? Tell me how you feel about what I'm saying. This, this is a dialogue. This ain't no monologue. And I'm not. No. And I'm not perfect. So, so like school me to, to tell me, tell me your thoughts. I, about I what I'm agree saying. with you, but I think people are tired. People are tired of feeling like they have to choose. And you know, the truth is, a, a lot of the old school church folk make us feel like we have to choose. Like, I can't have a, have this life and love God, too. That's not true. It's, I feel like it's the yeah. trick of the enemy. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. When you talk about choose, you're talking about choosing a life to, that you can have fun. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, no. yeah. Yeah, you oh. got to hide your fun. You no. can't go to the bar. You oh, can't, no. like, oh, no. wait, okay. what? Now I understand. Now I understand what you're saying. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. I I agree with you that come to Jesus so you can live a boring life. No, no. Me me and Tammy turn up. What I thought you were saying is that nothing about me has to change. Oh, no. You got to change. <laughs> you okay. going to change. Okay, okay. You going to okay. change. But I'm going outside and I'm going and I'm going to love the Lord. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. And, and I want you to. Is I want you to. Yeah. And I do agree with what you're saying. It's because, first of all, correct me if I'm wrong, you were, you were raised Pentecostal. Well, my siblings who were older than me were. By the time my parents had me, they were United Methodists. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How'd y'all go from Pentecostal? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> What? <laughs> now my mama gonna have to come on your podcast next, and she can bring it down. But just to give you. me just a little bit of that, but, but, but because that I wasn't the there, Kurt. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> oh my God, y'all! Yeah, what? Right, and it ain't a lot of Negroes as Methodists. <laughs> no. Well, you know, no. AME seeing me, but you know now. But our church was 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 a lot of us. My parents' what? churches, yeah, there was a lot of us. Were y'all AME or CME? No, we were United Methodists. And we read our hymns from folk. the book. And that's mainly white folk. 
Yeah, but it's a small percentage that have black churches. Small, <laughs> small, small, small. <laughs> Which one in your life, looking back, have you enjoyed the most? Being Pentecostal, your Pentecostal experience or your Methodist experience? Um, I like the structure of United Methodist, but I definitely like the shout. So I love that from Pentecostal. <laughs> you like shout? Oh, yeah. I you give like Taffy Dollar a run for her money, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the little dialogue that we just had a minute ago that had some little meat on it, just talking about, you know, why do we judge and why can we can't, you know, why that it was, it was, it was, it was so meaty. Is I know you would probably put that in the category of religion versus relationship, wouldn't you? Yeah. How yeah. did you come to that type of ideology? Why, like who shaped that in you where you saw a difference in religion versus relationship and 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 just help people who, once again, who may not be from our world, help them yeah. understand what that means? Um, that was recent for me as well. <laughs> really? How, how long? Yeah. Ago? Like a good year ago. Yeah. Really? Yeah, really, really. Everything that I was doing you know, my walk with Christ was traditional. It, it had nothing to do with my own experience. It had everything to do with what was what I was taught and how to love God and how to trust God. Mm. But now it's way different. It's like, oh, my conversations with him are very personal mm -hmm. um, and very real. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's different now because it's he and I. It really, truly is he and I. We have a real relationship. Like, that's my boy. <laughs> it's like that. I know, I know, I know, I know. So you and Jesus cool now. Y'all, oh. y'all, y'all. <laughs> Where I'm that's going, what I am. <laughs> that's your <laughs> guy. That's my guy. <laughs> that's your guy. Okay, so how has your new understanding of your mental health and the needs of it, like the needs of your mental health, how has that impacted the way that you engage with your faith? Like, do you see them as separate or do you see them all together? I want to make sure that I'm understood by the person who feels like if they don't have a relationship with God, then they can't get better mm. because sometimes it's together and sometimes um, it's separate. I and agree. it really, yeah. And I think it really depends on how, how much God needs you to understand in that moment. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. he really feels like you can handle both, then it'll be both. Mm. If it's a situation where he really needs you to understand and get better and seek help and not feel judged mm. and, you know, really go along with getting the help and being serious and steadfast with it, mm -hmm. then that's when it's by, by itself. So, so what advice do you give someone struggling with shame around mental health? Because mm, it's hard to tell people not to care, right? When there's so much care in the world. I would just say, just picture yourself having everything you've ever wanted. Everything you've ever wanted. No matter how big the thought is. That's what help looks like. What are some things that, that you do now to stay centered? And I just want to be very clear. It's not just prayer. Yeah, it's not yeah. just prayer. Prayer is a part of it. I'm still in counseling. <laughs> Me too. I, oh, Me baby. Too. 
Me oh, too. honey. <laughs> I'm so proud I of go, you. Yeah, and sometimes I go more often than what people would recommend because I need it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too, sis. Work through it and figure it out. Sis, sis, hold on, sis. I be calling my man. I be calling my man's on the road. I be hitting him. I'm telling you, I started going to therapy at 18. Really? I've been I've been consistent in therapy since I was 18 years old. Wow. Yes, 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 yes. I probably, like you, probably do it more than I should because, again, you know, I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a lot of... So, you know, I also go sometimes just to get, you know, you know, just... Just so to get a different perspective. A because there's the man thing, then there's the black man thing, you did. For sure. And so I just want to know, okay, so so from you, it's prayer, it's therapy. Is there anything else that you do? Um, I check in with myself. I have pillars that I am not willing to put down or act like it's not there for people or for a job or mm. anything. You know, I'm not, not going to do that. Have you ever had to say no to a job just for your mental health? Yes. Like, I'm not doing a reality show about my life anymore, mm. about you're not coming into my bedroom. You're not following my kids. People can judge my kid or, you know, like, no, it's not necessary. It's not necessary because I know that once those comments start rolling in and people's opinions, oh. here we go. Here we go. And it's the no. Can you help me with that one, sis? I, I'm not going to lie to you, sis. I, I you know, it's, I'm going to keep it a buck. I, every time I say I'm not going to look, <laughs> you do. Every time I say I'm not gonna look at comments. Every time I say I'm like, I'm like, man, you know what, Jesus, this for you, this for you. But then, <laughs> you know, do you have an advice for me? Well, you know who you are. You know, you know exactly who and whose you are. So they shouldn't even be able to penetrate. It doesn't even bother me. I am so secure and safe here. I need you to hug me real tight one day so I can get that on me. Because really? You really yeah. care? Really? Once again, come on. It's it's like Kanye West said in one of his greatest lines. Well, we're all insecure. I'm just the first to admit it. As I think the creators, because sis, come on. We spend hours in the studio, hours in front of a camera like you do. And, and then you put all this vulnerability in front of people for them to judge it. Yeah. For them to buy it, right? For, for them to respond to it. That is a vulnerable place. That is a vulnerable place to be in a studio seven, seven eight days, not sleeping and brushing your teeth. Come on, yeah. you've been in the studio. As yeah. a matter of fact, I remember a 22-year-old girl <laughs> that came to the studio in 1999. I was yeah. working on a soundtrack and a 22-year-old girl came in the level of fear oh. that you had. I Like, do you remember that moment? Oh my God. I can't believe I got through it. Barely got through it. And that's that shy tamer I'm talking about. <laughs> Tell me about that moment for that shy tamer. Oh man. First of all, I was incredibly intimidated because it was you. And I I wanted to work with you forever. I thought you were amazing and phenomenal. And I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't, I knew I could sing, but I didn't think I could sing. I didn't sing like a gospel singer. <laughs> Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't want you to compare me to my sister because I knew we we could both sing, but we were different kind of singers. 
Mm. And um, it was that. It was that for me, you know? When when did that Tamar grow up? I think what attributed it to those feelings that I had then was because I was Tony's sister and I was expected to be a mini version of her. Because artists was different back then. Like artists who had big personalities and big voices, all you saw was the big voice. Like a lot of people don't know yeah, my good yeah. sis Whitney had a big personality like me. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> Maybe yeah, even yeah. bigger. Yeah. But all you saw, you know, really was her talent and her voice. Yeah. And I think by the time I came on the scene, it was accepted to have both. <laughs> yeah. And it was okay. And so I think that is when I started to regain confidence and you know, just the wherewithal to be me and accept me. And and the truth is not until I accepted myself for who I was, it's when things started popping off for me. Yes, Not a did. moment before. Yes, it did. And I got to work with you first. Yes, you did. I got did. to work with you first. And it was yes, so fun. And, 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 and just this level of honesty during this, man, I cannot thank you for, 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 for just walking us through this truth, your truth, having a hundred conversation about so many things that can help so many people, knowing the fact that you still want to love again. I think it's yeah. beautiful that you love Logan and that, you oh, know, yeah. you know, that, that you have real conversations about what you've gone through and what you've experienced and and the fact that you still love music you still love Jesus you still love your faith and that you are this this courageous woman looking at depression and anxiety and and you're looking at them and they are not leading the narrative but you are what yeah. what do the next five to ten years look like for Tamar? <laughs> in my crystal ball. Call me now. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know what you what want it, to do. What did well, they tell, yeah. tell us what you want to do. In the next five years, I definitely want to keep healing and st stay under construction. Stay there. Like live mm. there. Mm. And staying there and hopefully, you know, find my divine and um, do some movies. And I absolutely love series on television. Mm. That's my new passion. Don't you have and some coming out here soon? Don't you have some I do. Out? I do yours. It's called Kingdom Business. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so excited about it. I think mostly I want to be insanely happy. And that looks like every in every aspect of my life, um, I'm satisfied. You know, I don't ever want to keep reaching for things. I want whatever God has for me to be enough. Anything else that you want to leave us with? Is there anything Oh, uh, well, else? you know, I love you so much. You, you've been such an amazing don't human being. Not just to me, it's don't true. Do don't it's do true. That. I have to give you your flowers. Not just to me, but to my entire family. And you've been the same, Kurt. When I was 22, I'm 45 now. Can you believe that? And you've been the same amazing, humble, kind human when you don't have to be that. You know, you choose to be, you choose from my experience with you to be pleasant and amazing. And that's just an example that I'm on the right path. This is, this is what success and God's true love and God's true plans that he has for us looks like. This is, this is the example of success and his amazing man. 
Your words are very healing to me today as I needed those words and, and I didn't know I was going to receive anything this kind today. Your words are very healing to me today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad to be her brother. Um, you, you don't have any biological brothers, do you? I do. I have one brother. Really? Yeah. There's so many of you girls. Y'all just hide the Negro. Y'all just... No. <laughs> well, he was no said... part of TV. He's smarter than us. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I am... What is his name? His name is Michael. Michael, like my dad. Mike yes, Braxton. Michael Braxton. Shout out to Mike Braxton. Well, uh, Mike <laughs> Braxton, this is your little bro, Kirk, man. I'm so honored to be a part of her faith, her journey. I am such a fan, and I'm honored that she calls me friend. It's oh, because yeah. I know that she would not throw that word around easily. Not Tamar. She ain't gonna call you friend easily. Give thanks to a beautiful, black, powerful, strong queen that has blessed us with her truth today. Man, was that not an incredible journey that we had with our girl, Tamar? I mean, just the fact that she's still, no matter how successful she is, she's still finding herself. And even the fact that she was even transparent to say she's been on social media so long that she thought she wanted her BBL. And even the transparency of just the perils of social media and living for others, I know that you've gone through that yourself. And it is so important to remember that you are who you are, not based on what you do, but on based on what God says about you. Even sometimes she feels misrepresented. And that can happen for so many kids, especially growing up in a Methodist church and, and just trying to find your way through faith. And, and I'm glad that she found it, you know, by being able to go to a Pentecostal church and lift their hands and get a shout on. And the fact that we're talking to a legend in the making that even had to live in the shadow of a legend, Tony, and... And in the midst of that, knowing that she still had purpose and a plan, that see, what you got to remember is that nobody's greatness takes away your opportunity. That God doesn't take from someone else and give to you, and God doesn't take from you to give to somebody else. That everybody's purpose is their purpose, and no one can take it from you, even family members. You can celebrate somebody else and know that God still got great things for you. And I was so proud to hear that she wants to continue to grow in her career and move behind the camera. And uh, she, she wants to be able to just continue to grow and celebrate all of the gifts God has given her. And I am so proud to have people come on this show and give you the best of what they have. And more than anything, I want you to walk away with this. I believe the greatest lesson for everybody listening is authenticity. That you can be a horrible me, but you can be an incredible you. And when we live in comparison, we know what that is. It is the thief of joy. That when you continue to envy what others have, you never get a chance to rest in what God gave you. And what God gave you is tailor-made for you. And I want you to walk in that today. I want you to rest in that. And I want you to celebrate that there's only one you on this planet. And if you continue to be like somebody else, you rob me of what God made you to be in the earth. Thank y'all for joining your boy, Kirk Franklin, and listening to the incredible Tamar Braxton.